0: We give them a bit of basics about sort of a structure of a business. What are the kind of main things that you have to pay attention to and how do those knit together to create a successful project? And then we uh, give them a bucket full of uh, craft materials, a lot of which are recycled samples of a bunch of product materials. And they actually make a product. Uh, And this is Monday, like right right out of the gate. And uh, so they break into teams. Some of the people are outside uh, interviewing the customers, like, would you buy a duct tape wallet? What color do you want it? They're learning to do market research. And then they come inside and they tell the production people, oh, they know they want this instead. It's amazing. And we do very little directing of that. We give them some concepts and then, you know, sort of what do they need to know right now? So we talk about market research, we talk about product, and when they have to do product cost analysis, how much tape did I use and how much does it cost to make one of these items? It's, it's pretty amazing.
1: On this week's episode of Establishing Your Empire, I host Gail Reum. Gail founded Mulallyu after noticing that children are often not equipped to manage their money. And in reaction to COVID-19, she actually launched their first online kid business camp last week with kids from all over the country. They're delivering two more programs this week in multiple time zones and are working with leaders in Singapore and Australia to expand the program. Gail was also the 2019 Mentor of the Year by Austin Under 40 Awards. This episode is a must for parents who want to confidently offer their kids financial autonomy. You're listening to the Establishing Your Empire show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs, creatives, and future business owners to pursue their passions, grow their organizations, and build their empire. My name is Darren Herman, and creatively, I'm best known for my photography. But business-wise, my claim to fame is growing a company from 15K per month in online sales to breaking the $1 million a month barrier. And I'm sitting down with interesting people to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how they have established their empires. All right, Gail, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Re- really appreciate you coming. So why don't you start off and just give us uh, your background of what you do and uh, kind of maybe of where you got started and, and all that.
0: Yeah, well, it's been many, many years, so it's a long story, so I'll try to keep it short. But I, um, you know, I grew up in the Midwest from with parents that were uh, from the Depression.
1: Oh, wow. And
0: yeah. yeah, my dad was born in 1930 and they were, you know, the stories are pretty scary about how they had to live in those times. And they became very frugal. My parents were both really frugal, smart, efficient people. Um, both college educated, went off and got great degrees and in jobs. And they started to really understand like how they were going to manage the funding of having five kids. And uh, they just put a lot of intention and thought into it. And they talked about it a lot and we could see that they were making really specific conscious choices about money. Uh, we always thought we were really poor because they were very, very frugal. Uh, and then my dad retired when he was 52. Oh, wow. So, you know, we learned a lot about how to make our dollars stretch and they also gave us all these opportunities to, uh, make our own money. You know, I remember my sister and I running an art camp for the kids in the neighborhood when we were kids, when we were kids. And, uh, you know, just my parents encouraged that sort of entrepreneurial spirit that, you know, go out and get a babysitting job or do something where you can exchange your time for money. And you can understand the truth about the value of money.
1: And what part of the Midwest did you grow up in Milwaukee? Uh, so I'm from Kansas. So we're both Midwesterners yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, I think we always stick together. I always find people that are like my wife, from Missouri. So some way mm. we always kind of connect, yeah. but, um, so you grew up in the Midwest and you had some fantastic parents. It sounds like, and so like, what was kind of your first job or entrepreneurial thing or what happened? Like walk me down that path, just the, the beginnings.
0: Yeah. I mean, after college, I, I came to Texas um, and was just looking for what I would do. I love marketing. I love uh, making a difference and I love messaging. And so I've, I did work with nonprofits. I also have a real passion for making a difference. And um, I learned a lot about how to influence um, audiences and people to participate in movements, really. Um, and I saw the power of community and I really enjoyed that. Um, and I I've had, after that I've had some of my own small lifestyle businesses and I've just done a bunch of different things. I launched a parenting magazine here in Austin when my daughter was young, you know, just sort of go with wherever the need is and what's, what seems to be a pull Mm -hmm. and where I can make a difference.
1: So besides what you're doing now, which we'll get into a little bit, what was your favorite, uh, job or volunteer experience?
0: I've always really liked working with groups of people on projects and so bringing something to life. Um, So I did a lot of work with events and starting with Eeyore's. (laughs) I remember uh, way back Eeyore's was quite a bit different, but it was with the YMCA of uh, UT. And, uh, you know, just organizing that I've been on the board at the um, Austin Museum of Art. I've Worked on boards uh, as a volunteer board member with the um, Amigos, which is a program my daughter did. She went to the Dominican Republic for a summer uh, between junior and senior year of high school for eight weeks. And oh, wow! They do projects down there. Their their role while they're down there is to live in these small villages and actually create projects that the community that that they engage the community in creating with for themselves that will continue after they're gone. Uh, so I really enjoy those types of projects. And,
1: and for somebody who wants to get more involved, like how how does that happen? Right, so I think a lot of people get lost in trying to get involved in the volunteer experiences, or you know, like how would you suggest somebody just, to, even if they just they don't do anything now, but they would like to do something? What what would be a recommendation for them?
0: Well, everything I've ever been involved in is stuff that I was already doing. I was going to ewers and I went, oh, I can help organize that. Or I was an artist. I made jewelry and I was exhibiting at the Austin Museum of Art show, which used to be Laguna Gloria. And uh, for years I did that and I went, I, who runs this? This is cool. I want to get involved in that. Um, amigos was because my daughter did Amigos and I was also on the board at Young Life because she was involved in that during high school. And I just sort of go where the need is and that's very entrepreneurial.
1: I think so too. And I think just being around a lot of times, because uh, Everybody needs help, but you know, even if you're just kind of there, they're like, you know, you're able to raise your hand and say, "Okay, well, maybe I could pick that up, right?"
0: Right. If you're already on the court, then <laughs> it's easy to pick up the ball, um, but you do have to have that entrepreneurial mindset, and it is a really important uh, aspect to a human development that's getting a little bit squished. Uh, you know, the the idea is go to college, get a job, and we've forgotten that we can invent anything.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because the, especially when I went to school, like that's everybody went to college, right? That mm-hmm. was what everybody did. Luckily it wasn't near as expensive as it is today, but I never, I was, I was definitely not the norm where I didn't really think I should have gone to college. I mean, I went and luckily it wasn't that expensive and I paid my own way through college, but I owned my first company at 20 and my second one at 21. So to me, the, the piece of paper is all I thought about. And, uh, I always looked that weird <laughs> by that, but luckily I still got a degree, so I have yeah. it, but which is nice. But I do think it's interesting that, that like not everybody should go to college unless you have a specific, if you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be in medical, you're going to be a lawyer. Uh, I think there's an uh, engineer. I think there's a lot of, um, areas where you have to have a degree, right. but I think if you're really good at working with your hands, maybe you should go to a uh, technical school or right. maybe just start getting a job and figure out where your path leads.
0: And sometimes it's just pursuing something you're interested in. So trade, school versus college versus uh, an internship or starting your own company. It, It doesn't matter how you learn it. It's more important that you're interested. I really do believe that not college isn't for everybody, especially at the exorbitant cost it is now. But there is a period of time in our youth when we're shifting from being in high school into adulthood that it's helpful to have that transition of some sort. So whether it's internships or you know, getting out and doing something really intense so that you can learn, it's actually better than college because you, you're you not just taking information in, you're actually on the court doing it. So whatever you're doing for those years, you have to just jump in, make a lot of mistakes, you know, you fail in college, whatever. I had a point for my first semester. We can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think mine was very
1: much higher than that. Uh, well, and I also think that, let's look at it. I've, I've hired a lot of people over the years, uh, h- hundreds of people. And if somebody comes to me and they have experience in doing things versus somebody who's straight out of college with a communications degree, yeah. like that person with experience, as long as they interview the same, right. they win every time Yeah, uh, at, at the levels that I've hired at, right? So anyway, so let's talk about what you're doing now. Maybe tell everybody what, what, what yeah. your, what your uh, company is and what you guys do.
0: Yeah. Well, I had a child and uh, I started wondering like how she was going to learn about money. And I, I could see, like, like I said, the difference between how I grew up, which was everything had, you understood value, things, we weren't living in such a world of consumption. Um, you know, we all pestered our parents to buy us stuff, but it was like, well, you know, how are you going to make the money to, to get, get that? You know, we never were just handed. There wasn't the entitlement. We were on the edge of that. That's what we're moving into. And I could see that that was going to happen with my daughter, that it was going to be tough for her to understand the value of money because everything was just given. Everything was there.
1: And you, you had the ability to give it to her probably too. And, and that's a tough deal to where there's not just a simple excuse of, I don't have the money to give that to you because rarely is that the case. Right. And so that becomes difficult. Um, so how, so, so actually before I go into that, give us, give us a, um, update of like what your, what your company does a little bit more. I know you were talking about that, obviously that it deals with money, but like with kids, but actually how does that happen?
0: Right. I mean, it it started because she was asking me for more money for an, for her allowance. And I realized that if, if I was just handing her more money uh, she was just going to spend it because what is the only word we have in the English language for money? Really? (laughs)
1: Uh, No, probably. Or more. Spend. (laughs) Spend, Yeah. It's (laughs) spend. I mean, when we talk
0: about what we're going to do with our money and when we talk about save, it means we got something at a discount. It doesn't really mean save. And nowhere is the conversation around investing unless you've got wealth and you're an adult. But where would you know to do that if you didn't understand it from a young age? So, you know, really looking at shifting that language. And what I noticed with my daughter was that if, I, if she had some experiences with money, she would start to understand it better. And that raise she wanted in her allowance would have a certain meaning. And so I started attaching some responsibilities and um, just agreements around it. And one of the things is that from the day she got that raise, we had the agreement that she would save 10% of all of her money.
1: And I think she was six. that's that's fantastic
0: yeah and she's done it like it's the water she swims in to an example is when she was uh i think 11 on her birthday someone gave her a gift card for 20 dollars, and she'd gone into her savings account and moved two dollars to her investment account and i noticed that and i asked her and she said well i couldn't take it out of the card
1: Oh, that's fantastic. So
0: that was just five years of doing that and it became automatic and I didn't have to run that conversation anymore. And she got excited about that money. She got excited to use that money to make more money and she saved more and more of the money that she got.
1: Yeah. And I also think that when you're, you're giving, um, your kids some money to play with or to use, they also can fail small, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't, and, and this is myself included, I didn't really have, I do, did grow up pretty poor, so I didn't really have much money. But as soon as I started making money, then you make mistakes. And luckily that's still small to, you know, adult, adult standards, but I would have loved to have made mistakes the, at the $50 level, at the $10 level, not the $2,000 yeah. level. Right. Yep. Um, so, all right. So she so started six. with that yeah, and go ahead.
0: I was in an investment club with some girlfriends of mine and we were just wanting to get better about our own investing and understanding our own money situations. And so she was around that all the time and she wanted an investment club at her school i think she was in second or third grade and so i went looking for a curriculum or something i could do with kids to have them understand that and i realized that they didn't couldn't understand uh investing as it's as a solo topic they had to sort of understand all of how money works so i had to invent that because it didn't exist so fortunately she was at a montessori school and uh, there were Teachers and my mother and my family. So, a lot of my family members are teachers. And I just pulled everybody together because I love doing that. I love building tribes to make things happen. And we uh, wrote this curriculum and we started do, uh, delivering these after school clubs. And inside of there, the kids were doing business projects. It was part of the way we learned about money because why do we have money? It's so we can trade it and do business. And so we had them do little business projects. And it was phenomenal. They got so much out of that that they wanted to have a whole week of camp. So I went, okay, I'll invent that. <laughs> and again, I pulled a whole tribe of people together. And, and we uh, basically started on a Monday. And like every afternoon at the end of the day, we'd go, okay, what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> and we invented a camp. And it was so popular. It was so much fun. The kids loved it and they wanted to do another session. So that was 2005. And we did two different weeks of camp that summer. And it was such a hit and we started doing them more. So I think we did six the following summer. And then in 2008, we were up to about 12 or 15 camps and that's when the crash happened.
1: Yeah, sure. And my business tripled because everybody wanted wanted to know what they should have done or what they, what they can do with their smaller amounts.
0: Uh, Well, they were really concerned about the, the future that their kids were inheriting. They could see that they weren't in shape to endure, um, an economic setback like we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing a similar thing where parents are starting to get really concerned for their kids. Uh, And so they knew that they weren't equipped to teach their kids how to do it. And so, um, yeah, and then we were featured in the wall street journal that year. So then it was just a demand for it worldwide.
1: Yeah, I mean, that organic growth there is really the, almost the best way for something to happen because it's, it's almost like they're, people are asking you to do more. And, yeah. uh, so w- what was kind of the format of some of these camps? Because a camp is kind of fun because it doesn't have to be like sit in a chair and no, like let us preach to you, right? It could be a little bit more interactive.
0: Well, we know that that doesn't work anyway, right? right? Kids really aren't learning anything that, because they're not applying it. And especially with the, something that's a life skill. Uh, you know, you can watch videos all day about how to ride a bike, but you're going to go out on that bike and fall. That's how you're going to learn what balance is because you're going to find out what it's not. And so, what we, we do in the camp is actually have the kids, we give them a bit of basics about sort of a structure of a business. What are the kind of main things that you have to pay to, attention to, and how do those knit together to create a successful project? And then we uh, give them a bucket full of uh, craft materials, a lot of which are recycled samples of a bunch of product materials and they actually make a product. Uh, and this is Monday, like right out the, right out of the gate. And, uh, so they break into teams. Some of the people are outside, uh, interviewing the customers. Like, would you buy a duct tape wallet? What color do you want it? They're learning to do market research. And then they come inside and they tell the production people, Oh, they know they want this instead. And it's amazing. And we do very little directing of that. We give them some concepts. And then you know, sort of, what do they need to know right now? So we talk about market research. We talk about product, and when they have to do product cost analysis, how much tape did I use, and how much does it cost to make one of these items? It's it's pretty amazing.
1: And and what age ranges are, are these? Seven and up. Oh wow! It's darling. Very cool.
0: It's very darling, and uh, and we have mentors, so we uh, you know we have tons of interest from the entrepreneurial and business world for people that want to make a difference in this capacity. So we have a very structured mentoring uh, program where people come in at different times during the process and they have, you know, a a bit of coaching for the adults on how to work with the kids without telling them what to do. And it's beautiful because they learn so much. Everybody who's ever been a mentor in camp said it was one of their most enlivening experiences. Like they actually are treating their kids differently and they're going back to work and, you know, operating differently at work because they've learned how to be a mentor and not a manager. So it's got so many levels of wonderfulness.
1: Yeah. Not to get too off track, but it's so crazy that we never, there's no class you don't learn money in school. You don't learn money in college, hardly, no. uh, uh, you know, maybe some spreadsheet work, but not really investment mm-hmm. money. And, in, or even just how you were saying, like, to me, it's so much more fun to, you might, preach to somebody what market research is mm-hmm. and the theory behind it and what's worked and some case studies. But, you know, going out in there and talking to people, that is like one of the first things I tell yeah. people when they have an idea. Yeah. Sure, go talk to a hundred people, see what they say. Yeah. And people don't want to, they kind of close up and they don't want to do that a lot of times. But I'm like, that's your first step out of the gate. Because yeah. you don't want to be three years in and then realize that nobody wants it. No.
0: <laughs> well, and the other thing is the, no matter how much you learn about something, knowledge is not, uh, it doesn't apply. It's just a stored up there, and we're actually on overload with knowledge and information right now, as the you know, technology is advanced, and it, it's stressing people out. It's too much information without any real practice. And you also mentioned that, you know, you don't learn about it in school, in college or high school. And the truth is, it's not where it's learned. It really has to be learned at home. It has to be learned out in the real world. And all of the studies show that 99% of what kids learn about money is learned at home. And that's across the board for people that have wealth or not. We're also seeing studies now because financial literacy has been put into school. You know, parents don't know how to do it, so they really push for it to happen in school. 15 years later, longitudinal study, no significant difference between the kids that got it and that didn't get the financial education, no difference in their behavior. So if you've gotten all that education, you might be able to pass a test or you may know more about what it is to balance a checkbook, but you're not doing it.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, you know, if you, you learn it seven years before you actually put it into practice or even seven months before you put it into practice, you're going to forget. Yeah. You just passed the test. You, yeah. you re- remembered the, the right answers that you're supposed to remember, but yeah. you didn't actually money's every single day, every second. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Put it into practice makes complete sense.
0: Yeah. And that requires parents because School's not going to give you an allowance or, you know, but you're not going to have a real experience there. So um, there's a big push right now to bring entrepreneurial education into the schools, which, again, it's, you know, coupled with this level of this label called education. Like we're going to teach people how to be entrepreneurs. And the reality is the only way you can understand money or understand any of this is to actually do it. So uh, part of one of the features on our new app that we're building is an actual entrepreneur project, which is our kid proven program from camp. And we just digitized that so that'll be able to be used in the schools so teachers don't have to try to teach entrepreneurship because that would be like giving me a physics manual and trying to send me into a physics class. I mean, most teachers really don't know how to they're not they haven't been entrepreneurial. I would say there's some, but, you know, it's not a thing you can t- learn in college and learn how to teach it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's a different path. Like somebody who's going to be a teacher typically hasn't done the entrepreneurial path. I mean, it's, mm. a, it's, it's a different deal. So how many years ago did you guys start this, uh, these camps?
0: 15 years ago. Wow. In 2000. Well, actually in 2004, we had our first club, our first after school club. And, and what'd you call it? It was the money club,
1: the money club. Perfect.
0: <laughs> and we were the money Academy because it was the only word I could get that I could get the, um, um, the dot URL com or for something. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those uh, are pr- perfect
1: names though, actually.
0: Well, but, but they're not uh, trademarkable. Right. And sure. so when we franchised, so several years after we started the, the commotion got started internationally and we needed to figure out how to scale this because we could see like it was the coolest thing and everybody wanted it. So how do you scale that? You know? And, uh, I did an accelerator back then, and called Activate for Women Entrepreneurs, and um, we came up with the idea to franchise, which you know is a brilliant model for certain types of businesses, but it's a little tough for the high human touch businesses. It's better for uh, re- things that are repetitive actions that don't require a lot of personal training and you know development of the people that are delivering it, and so that didn't uh, fully work. Um, and so when we took a pivot on that, we realized ultimately that where learning happens about money is on the court and it has to happen with your parents. It has to happen with real money and that has to happen at home. So we had been on ongoingly doing these uh, parent courses. We came up with a three hour course for parents to understand how to do this stuff at home. It involved a lot of examining what you are already doing, how much money are you already spending on your kids? How are you going to then transfer that to them? Uh, I'd say probably the first hour was just kind of having people get over their shame (laughs) that they don't know more. You know, there's an awful lot of concern of, you know how we're doing and and we should be doing better for our kids, for ourselves. And there's a lot of energy around that between couples when they're in the course together. Um, And so we spend a lot of time sort of putting that aside. Now let's look at what's so. What's just like the baseline? What's the reality? Like gravity, when you drop something, it falls. When you spend money, it's gone. And um, so once, we, once we're there and we can start to look at these patterns that they're doing, the conversations they're having and whatnot. So it was such an effective program. People were just tell, texting us and writing to us after that saying, Look what we're doing. And my kids are doing great with this. And my husband and I are doing better at this. Um, so we took all that and digitized it into some online parent courses.
1: Very, very cool. And, and is that because you, you wanted to reach a broader audience or make it simpler for you guys to make it the next course? Like what made you think that, you know, let's kind of make this a little bit more, I don't know, like a real business, I guess, as opposed to just not, not that it's not a real business when you're doing all these workshops, but you know, I guess one of the gaps that I want to want to know about is, you know, you're, you're doing these great things. You have these workshops, you're in person, which is a lot of fun, a lot and of work, a lot of work, right. And then how did you go from there to a little bit more of a scalable, um, company, I guess.
0: Right. Well, when we tried scaling through franchising, that was a lot of work, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of heartbreak when it didn't work. But, uh, the courses were, were a much more natural progression for us. And the people that had been involved in helping me design those and whatnot were really instrumental in both funding it and keeping it going, um, so they actually would came in and tape the courses and then we wrote them all out. And, and then we got it, you know, green screened it and put it all together. And, uh, so it just, again, it's when it's, when it's needed, it's, it gets created. And it was both from the purpose of, you know, taking me out of the equation time and work wise, multiplying my presence. But, you know, I'm really here to serve, you know, I'm here to set people free. And if I wasn't fulfilling on that through franchising, I was going to find another way. You know, because that's just what I'm here for. You know, you sort of get to that point in life where you're like, OK, yeah, that's why I'm here. Right. You know, and, and, and
1: how how can you reach more people? Right. And that's yeah. Internet or, or or phones or apps or whatever, as opposed to because yeah. you can only get, you can only be in so many places at once. right?
0: Well, and just to be able to when I see the freedom that this work provides people, it's just it's it's unconscionable that I wouldn't share it with more people.
1: So is most is your I like your target market, I guess we could call it. Is that the parents or is it the kids? Like who do you usually pitch to when you're like doing your marketing?
0: What a good question because <laughs> this has been the constant dilemma. Um, we, our programs have served kids. Kids go through the programs when we're, when we, especially when we shifted into these parent courses, we saw that uh, it, it's, it's parents think, or they are get taking the course so they can know how to teach their kids about money but what they're really doing is learning it for themselves the first time. (laughs) So the answer is both. And and so after the next phase, what we did is we took the entire parent course and all the structures and systems that we advocated that they use, and we have digitized that into a family app. So now all the processes that will actually have kids learn about money are just automatic in there. There's no teaching that's required by parents there's just this. And like I said, parents have to do some work. They have to decide how much they're willing to give their kids for certain things each month. And it's a category of spending that they will no longer be responsible for. They'll give the kids that. So they have to say, I'm willing to spend $60 a month for you uh, entertainment or whatever. Yeah. And now I'm going to give that to you in weekly increments and you can't ask me for any more. But in the app, there's a gig marketplace. So parents can post tasks, you know, not the day-to-day chores, Those have to be done because you're part of the family and they shouldn't really be collapsed with money. It it doesn't teach a very good lesson. Um, But this is like wash the car, rake the leaves and kids can actually suggest projects. Right. Yeah. I noticed that the dogs were all muddy. I'm going to wash them even though that's not my chore. And I'd like to get paid $10 so they can actually enter that in and parents can approve it or not. And then when they're done with it, negotiate, right? Or negotiate. they like, Oh no, I, th- yeah. I, think,
1: I think that's a $3 task. Yeah. I
0: hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Yeah. We'll have build that. Oh, there
1: in. we go. <laughs>
0: You're making our features more complex. Right. Stop. Always. We're trying always. to get to MVP. Th- that's
1: the problem with that is you just keep yeah. going all day with the ideas. So when, when you talk about this money, it's, it's his parents actually pay them through the app. Mm-hmm. So basically they would, I'm just thinking this out loud. So they would put some money in there, like a hundred dollars or Ten dollars, whatever whether they're comfortable with, and then that could be just dis- dispersed if the kid does the activity. That's for the, the, the task job marketplace. Okay,
0: but the other part is that there's allocations of money, and I don't like to use the word allowance because it's it's like we I give my kid allowance, but this is like here's how much money our family is allocating for this. So it's teaching that there's choice and there's budget and there's a plan. So here's all the money for all of your after school activities for the semester. I'm going to give it to you in weekly increments. And then you figure out how to save it so that you can do the things you want to do. And you're no longer getting any more money from us than that for that category. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: I mean, I feel like allowance is like free money and it has this kind of different connotation. We didn't have allowance growing up. So I, I don't know. Maybe I've always had like a negative, thought process to that word but uh i like allocation a lot better because it's also a word i would never use the word allowance in a business but i would use allocation all the time right. so to me it's already and, and i know it's just a word but to me it makes way more sense to, yeah. to use i'm going to use that i have ten nieces and nephews so well and, and, the, and so this language, is something i like yeah language is an
0: incredibly important part of all this we started with the conversation of what is the word we use for money all the time What's right. the last thing you do yeah. with your money? Yeah. Spend you
1: spend it, you hardly ever save it, right? Right. So nobody's
0: using and then if they're using save, it's it's used in a way that doesn't really reflect true what saving yeah. is. And so we, we wanna use very intentional words. And that's part of the training that goes on. And so even the way our 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 app is designed, there's very specific language and titles for things that make it work.
1: So is the app out now? Is it in process? What, what, what part of the, where are you at and the, the, what step? Six weeks, six weeks. Okay. So we're, we're very close then. I've
0: been saying that for a few weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure. Well, well it'll probably be less than six weeks when this camp comes out. So maybe it'll still yeah. be saved six weeks when this comes out. So it's, it's you're almost done then yeah. you're, you're we'll, 90% we'll have it out right?
0: before summer and all beta tested and be able to show it off at camp. So we'll have about 250 to 300 kids in our summer camp this year. And they're in there all weekend on Friday, the parents come in and they do like a little graduation and the kids do reports on what their business was. And then I, I just share about the app. And so we've built a pretty strong waiting list. because I was talking about it all last summer. And so a lot of those folks will be signing up and that's going to be our kind of launch.
1: Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. So do you think, uh, it might be too early to to answer this, but is this going to be like a paid app? it going to add, okay. A paid app, Uh, Uh, no ads, no ads. Yeah. I like that better.
0: Um, We are doing some uh, collaboration with some other programs that, that um, could maybe be conceived as an app. But for instance, PBS has a show out it's called biz kids and it's about budgeting and it's about making money and starting businesses. It's an incredibly high production value show. Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, the same kind of people, the same crew built this show and it was on the air for seven years on PBS and it's off the air now. And so we're going to be embedding that in there with short, Videos, two or three minutes, just a quick tip, and if they want to, they can buy the whole episode. So there's a collaboration of of knowledge, and it's very finely curated to match the message that we're making sure we're training them in.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you know one of the things is there's so much noise. So basically, sounds like the direction with that is, hey, we're gonna have the same message. It's gonna be money. It's gonna be helping kids manage their money or earn money or whatever it might be. Um, so what about like, uh, how did you get the team to build this app? Like how did that all come about? Right. Cause it's yeah. completely different from managing like all these different workshops. Right. Right. So. Well, it's
0: been a gradual process and a lot of those people have come along all the way. Um, you know, same CFO for eight years, you know, just it, it, people that are getting involved in this are really committed to it in a different way than it's, than a job. And uh, during the summers when we've been doing camps and programming throughout the year, it's, you know, part-time, it's seasonal work. Um, we've had UN volunteers for the last four years who've come from all over the world. Um, one of the fellows that was here two years ago was from Italy. I'm worrying about him right now. But, um, he, you know, they come to volunteer so they can learn more about, you know, U.S. and business and entrepreneurship. And uh, they volunteer at these camps and they go home completely changed. And several of them have come back on their own just to come back and volunteer with us. So we have a really strong core of people that care about this. And I'm, I'm extremely vocal about what I do and I'm really dug into the community of other people that are committed to this level of financial literacy, you know, but real financial empowerment. And there's just people that come to this that have, have joined our team from there. And we're doing a bunch of collaborations and, uh, efforts that just help expand this beyond just what I'm doing with Mulayu.
1: And what, for developing the app wise, like what advice would you give somebody that wants to, to do that? And I cause there's a lot of technical problems that happen too, yeah. and, as well as, you know, not just technical, there's a lot of problems that happen.
0: Well, the biggest problem is you don't know what you're building. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we started actually this, this whole app idea it started with a very young man who was seven when he first did our camp. He built his first app when he was 11 and premiered it at Maker Fair, And then at 15, he built a driving app to track his driving hours. And he's stayed involved in our program all the way through. He's been on our leadership team. He acts as a counselor, essentially, at camp. And he kept telling me, you know, we should build an app. We should build an app. And I was like, yeah, well, show me how to use my phone first because <laughs> I have no tech, whatever. And so he was like, well, let me go see what I can build. Let me go see what we can do. And along the way, and he partnered up with this fellow from uh, Italy um, who actually helped him do some of the research. So we were also doing a ton of market research to determine what other products were out there, determining what features were going to set us apart, how other ones worked, how they didn't. We did user experience studies. Um, we worked with the General Assembly to do two different studies on that. And we just you know, kept building. Well, Ben was really interested in building the financial uh, interface. So we started that. We entered Mass Challenge last May, and Ben was on board earlier than that, starting to work on this, And uh, we realized that the banking interface was probably not the place to start, but we had to go down that track for a while first. It's changing really fast. We're dealing with tons of regulatory issues around kids and money, and we're, you know we weren't prepared inside of understanding that market enough to build that first, and we really focused back in on the features. So we're actually launching it without an actual debit card attached to it.
1: Right. And sometimes, uh, I mean, the thing about an app, like you said, you don't know what you're building and you know what you're going to get into <laughs> until you're knee deep. Yeah. Um, but it does sound to me that it's very similar to a product. Like say, if we were designing a product, mm-hmm. you would go out there and talk to people about it, see what they like, see what it feels yeah. like and all that. So it's pretty much the same thing. Um. So, and to 2019, you were mentor of the year for Austin Under 40. I did. So tell me, like, what, how that happened? Like, what, what, uh, what's that mean?
0: Crazy! I've been a mentor. I mean, what I do in my programs is mentor all these young people. So there've been like four thousand kids through our camps, and and I just really love it. And like I said, we have these teens that come up through the program, and um, you know, I'm just all about you know how can I support them in expanding their understanding of of themselves and what they're capable of. I mean, that's what I see mentoring as. And so I um, was invited to be a mentor for the Young Women's Alliance. I think it was seven years ago. And so every year I mentor a different woman through those programs. And uh, the Young Women Alliance is part of the um, Austin Under 40 Awards. It's, uh, I know you interviewed A.J. Bingham. And so mm-hmm. the Young Men's Business League and the Young Women's Alliance put the AU- AU40 together every year. And so I got the nomination for that, the email for that. And for mentor of the year. And I was like, what did they not know? Like, (laughs) (laughs) but then I kept reading and it said, well, you have to be over 40. So uh, then I said, well, okay. (laughs) But it was because of that. And then, you know, you reach out and you get letters of recommendation. And I wrote, I asked a bunch of the young people that I've mentored to write those letters. And I was just crying reading them. Yeah. it, It was so much fun. Very touching to understand the difference I'd made. And I'll, I'll tell you something about winning an award like that. And I'm sure you've won plenty,
1: but not not plenty, (laughs) but
0: you know, your head's down doing what you know to do. You're, you're doing something really great. You can look up every now and then and see individual impacts that you've made. And, and then you can go to sleep happy and go, okay, you know, there's moments where you're like, okay, this is, I'm on the right track, but you never really stand back and look at the entire accomplishment of it. And so that was probably the first time I was acknowledged that broadly for something that great. And then of course, Dan Graham awarded me the honors and he's a hero of mine. So it was all just a, a, a moment where I got to take a deep breath and go, yeah, I'm on the right track. And, uh, this does make a difference. And, um, yeah,
1: I mean, this is really cool. Uh, and it's not like you need an award for all that, but I think yeah. it, like you said, is, is it's really hard to take a step back and say, okay, you know, yeah. this, I've done all this stuff or just been a part of all these things. Um, so, so what's next? So you're launching the app, but what's like five years out? Like what's that look like for you?
0: We'll still be launching the app. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's ever done. Is it? I mean, uh, I mean, I, it isn't. We, we, you know, we have a, a massive amount of features that we want to include. We have plenty of opportunities to connect with through other institutions and organizations to get this to more people. There's been a strong pull for us to do this in Singapore. You know, it's the FinTech center of the universe essentially. And and they have government funding for projects like this. So we're looking at options like that. Uh, You know, the goal is to have this in the hands of every parent who's, who's doing anything with money and their kids. I mean, pretty much every parent Mm -hmm. and that has the technology. And uh, so Learning how to do that, learning how to get that to as many people as possible and really serve people and being free and building financial stability. You know, this is, this is all there is. So I don't know if that's five years, right? Uh, this is one of those mother Teresa moments, like no hungry child. <laughs> uh, and sure. so it's, I'm playing a pretty, in, you know, infinite game. And I like that. And I don't have to know, you know, where it ends. I just have to have a, 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 an end in sight that says, there will be no more generational poverty.
1: Yeah, it's a north star. So, okay, and you've already uh, talked about a few like actual uh, some advice for kids. So, say if I'm a, I was a, so I have ten nieces and nephews, but I, I'm not a parent. But my brother, I just was at his house. He's got four kids. So, let's just say somebody's in third grade. Like, what advice would you give either the parent or the kid? Like, give me something that's actual that you guys would do. Like what would be something, uh, whether it's an exercise or whatever?
0: Yeah, no, there's like a couple of really easy steps. Every time your kid, starting at age five, really, no, they're asking you to buy them stuff at the checkout counter or they're saying, I really need this next thing. Uh, You can start to notice what's important to them. You know, what do they want? And, you know, how you'll learn something is you're going to really want something. You're going to go figure out how to get it. Isn't that, that's life. Yeah. So we really want to pay attention to our kids in terms of what they're interested in and follow their lead on that. And, uh, an example of my, one of the women from uh, the young women's Alliance has a five-year-old and, you know, begs for candy at the checkout counter every time they're there. And so, uh, you know, give him a certain amount of money and give it to him on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, just that simple. And they decided $3 because he wouldn't eat too much to die if he ate it all at once. And, uh, you know, so they gave him the $3 a week and he put it in his little purse and he goes to the store and he gets his candy and the, first week he came back and he's like, okay, so wait, how much is ice cream? Because next week I want to buy ice cream. So well, I
1: save it up for ice cream.
0: He was learning, he learned the value of money. He had the autonomy to make his own decisions. Wow. I mean, we all want that and uh, delayed gratification. You know, it was just like all of that lesson in one little moment, just that $3 in one week. And he was already learning that. So do that on a larger level, pick a category of money that you notice that they're asking for things to buy a lot of things. In a category that's relatively safe for them to make those decisions themselves, and for them to actually lose that money, and right. make that yeah. small mistake.
1: Yeah, so I was saying earlier. Yeah, say if they lost three dollars, that would mean a lot to them. them. But at the end of the, in the day, they only lost three dollars. Yeah. But it, you know, it's almost the uh, it still it still has the same weight as when you're older and you lose a thousand dollars. Like falling
0: off a little bitty bike versus bi- falling off your motorcycle.
1: So what about So when they're say in uh, high school or something, when they're freshman in high school, do you just scale that up to where you're just giving them more money or what or, or is there some different exercises for different age groups like that?
0: It has more to do with stages than ages. Okay. I would say if you've never done anything with your high school student, age student by the time they're there, uh, you know, you you've got to start giving giving them very small increments. The big thing that makes a difference is it's for a very specific amount of money it's not that allowance. Here's some money, go figure it out. It's like, okay, you're now going to buy all your own. If you know, whatever that is, clothes or some portion of a thing that's really important to them.
1: Or like sports, like, you know, mm-hmm. activities. Yeah. Uh, cause I know the, my story is different. I, I actually, a lot of this is real to me. I had my first job at 13 cause I wanted to be on a traveling team and I needed money. Right. Yeah. And we just, that, that was my way to, be on that team and because all the other kids had plenty of uh, money and so to me like jerseys like 150 dollars for jerseys right yeah. when you're 13 years old is not easy to do so you know I had to definitely work it in gear but I was forced in that so I think one of the, the things that I'm getting out of a lot of this is you know just because we're not forced doesn't mean there's some of these learning skills that you can still do you just yeah, gotta do a structure. it structure right you know um, and
0: you were forced but Somebody made a choice not to give you that money.
1: Yeah, correct. No, and my mom probably we would have. I think to me, we were more of a family unit, so it was like, okay, well,
0: how are we all going to get this done?
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so my brother worked at the place where I went. Two older brothers worked at the place, so they you know, like, okay, well, you can you know wash dishes for two hours or something a day That's or whatever. Exactly
0: yeah. what you're gonna your brother can do with his kids now.
1: Right. Oh, com- completely. Is, yeah. He's you a, know,
0: like this is a team thing. Like, how are we going to make this money last for all the things our family wants to do? Right. And, uh, you know, in, in addition to giving them money and having them make their own decisions and get that autonomy, you want to include them in decisions that you're making about how the family is going to spend money like vacations. And that's kind of I've seen that more commonly, which is, well, we're going to go on this trip and here's how much it's going to cost. And, here, you know, but really beyond that, how are we saving for it? You know, how are you going to save this, 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 the spending money that you want to have while you're on the trip for the kids? you know, just engaging everybody in the conversation for how choices are being made in the family. We tend not to talk about to our kids about how we use money.
1: Yeah. And, and we're one just thing to go on a trip. Right. Right. And then we're just, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then why are we only going once a year? Right. You know, yeah. what's the reason behind that? Uh, also another question I have is, so we were just talking about the kind of the positives, what's some native things that parents do? I mean, we, I think we could think of plenty of them, but what's something that comes top of mind. Right, right. But like, you know what? What is some stuff that you see that's yeah. often
0: the the big ones, the standing at the checkout counter or anywhere and saying, you know, kids saying, "I want to buy this," and telling them you can't, we can't afford that, because as a child, especially younger children, they're like, "Well, then how are we going to buy food?" I mean, they really don't have a way to sort that information out in any other way, and they can hear the 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 the, the, the word "we can't afford," and then it sets their mental mind, their mindset about money becomes, you know, we're either rich or poor and it doesn't have any power. We only have financial stability when we understand that we're in control of our money. And so that's excluding it. We can't afford is like putting the uh, decision outside of you. Right. That's a big one. Um, you know, another one is, is using your kids, using money to reward your kids for things that you want for them.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. As opposed to what, what, uh, what's important to them. Right. I mean? mean, like if
0: you and you know, I've heard of people paying their kids to read cool books, like read a cool book a week, you know, that's, that's something you want, but you know, it's good for them. Um, but the the grades thing. So we've mm-hmm. got in this culture where parenting is very competitive. Right. Right. And so it makes me look good if my kid does good on a test. So I'm going to reward them for that. It's, it's it's skewed. It's those kind of trying to manage their behavior with money. It's really frustrating to see that because when kids don't have anybody paying them to behave well when they go off to college. (laughs) Right. Who's where's the regulator and they haven't gotten any self-regulation for performing well in school. If that's important to them or, or managing how much sleep they get. I mean, we're kids are so regulated about everything and it's so external. So giving them more choices to regulate themselves and let them make some mistakes. And that's probably the third big one that parents don't do is that they, they don't let kids make mistakes. And when they do make mistakes, they get punished yeah, or they right. get shamed. Um, mm-hmm. There are, there are some tools for kids now, some debit card uh, tools that parents can give their kids money. The allowance thing, put some money on your card. And when parents don't like where they're spending it, they shut it down. They take money back. It, those are not teaching the right lessons. So um, just being really clean about it. You know, we, I always want to remember that like when you spend it, it's gone. And that's just the only truth there is about money.
1: Well, and I think a lot of those points that you were just making is very, There are parallels to not just money. I think there's, there's a lot of, you know, I think you got to let a kid fall down every once in a while, get hurt a little once in a while, as opposed to getting so worried about it or pushing it, you know, getting them so busy so that they don't even ever have any time to themselves
0: to get creative. Yeah. Right. To to come up with something. Yeah.
1: Um, so walk me through like a normal day in your life. Like, you know, like how, how does that work out? Like, do you, you do, well, I mean, it's, I think yeah. it's interesting because you, you're you a pretty high performing person and a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, might be interested, like, you know, is there a certain morning routines that you go through? Do you oh, read on a yeah. daily basis? Like uh, journaling, any, any anything beautiful. like that?
0: Of course. I'm sure you have some. i want to hear about yours later.
1: I have. I have, I have a very specific ones. So. Yeah, and it's
0: it's, uh, it's out of having to uh, perform at such a high level that we end up putting those structures in place. I know.
1: Well, and we're, you'll have a structure whether you know it or not. The thing is, right. I think that if if you decide you're going to have a certain structure, it's probably going to be a better structure than just happening to the you. Default. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: So I started. Why um, Combinator has an amazing set of videos, and I was really looking at how do you build a tech company? So I started listening to those and I started noticing that there were some really important structures that I knew would make a difference, but I wasn't doing them. And I went, you know, if I'm going to build this company, uh, it's going to take an extraordinary uh, effort and I don't want it to be hard. I want it to be an effort that pays off, you know? And so I started regulating my sleep better. I get up at four 30 or five in the morning. um, I'm at the gym uh, five mornings a week is my rule. I don't care which five. And then sometimes I just walk in the door and sign in and walk back to my car. Yeah. But- I, I'm a big
1: believer in that. Cause if you set for five and let's say you miss, yeah, at least you're at four. Some people that like say they're going to do two or three. Well, they miss they're at one or two. Yeah. Like that's, that doesn't work. <laughs> but I don't miss. Yeah, well, That's great.
0: <laughs> no, that's the five. I mean, when I set these structures, they were there because they're proven. I did, uh, During the coronavirus episode, I got a little nervous about getting out in public until I could understand that better. And then I actually saw a report on the news that said gyms are some of the cleanest places because nobody gets very close to each other. (laughs) Everyone's always wiping down their sheets. So I'm back in the gym. But um, and, um, you know, I have a very strict diet in the morning. I make sure I have something really nutritious and protein wise, and I just get to work. And I have a very specific work period in the morning before the day gets started where I get myself organized and I take on one major project. It could be a 30 minute hour long. I've got to write this. I've got to create this pitch deck or I've got to write to this, you know, this organization and I've got to be really eloquent about it. So I just want to focus on that.
1: Yeah. Which I love. Do you check email yet or not at all?
0: I might in between, especially if I have something I was waiting for, for a meeting to schedule, Mm -hmm. but I don't respond. I, I mean, I'll just check and see if there's something I need to know. And I just get to busy, we get down to busy.
1: I like that. I might start doing that a lot of times. Cause if I check, I'll start responding, yeah. but I, um, I don't really start responding until 10 in the morning. So, uh, and I don't let anybody book me until 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Cause I want, I want to protect my, my, mm-hmm. and I'm also not a morning person. So to me, I need a few hours before I'm fully, I have my, I, I'm just not, not as uh, awake. Let's just put that way. My, yeah. my, uh, It takes me a while. It's a Buddha process.
0: (laughs) Well, I think I was a whole lot more like that before. Just for a hint is that having a child, I started laying down to read her a book, you know, and I'd fall asleep at eight o'clock. So I was getting up at three in the morning and I went, oh, this is nice. There's nobody, you know, it's all I can focus. And it's all a matter of training. Yeah, yeah.
1: And well, for me, it's just that that's my 9, 10 p.m. Nobody bothered me. Right. So uh, because I don't have kids yet. So it's, it's just a flip flop. Right. Trip. That was yeah. my
0: life before I'd stay up till three in the morning working on things. And I'd have brain. I can still stay up early if I need to. But yeah, I have to kind of get a second wind. But yeah, the rest of the day is, you know, probably meetings, phone calls. I, I try to keep open Friday as a very uh, open day for me to sort of comp- compile everything that happened during the week start to look ahead at what's going on next week. I don't want to plan a whole lot right there. Um, I've started having afternoon tech meetings with this young man that's working on our app right now. He's an intern and he's taken on leadership of a particular part of it. And so we have a sort of a mentor tech tech meeting on Fridays. Um, yeah.
1: And how do you, do you guys do some like SWAT type meetings where with like new with the app and how often does that happen?
0: The tech team meets on um, Thursday nights. Uh, a lot of the, People that are involved have full time jobs or they're in school, and so that's our meeting night. Um, I'll get on those calls sometimes. Mostly, I just want them to to move the the development side along. We've talked about the features we they are totally embedded in understanding how the dynamic of it needs to work. And then we have another call on Sundays, and then then they communicate in between through Slack during the week.
1: That's great. So um, so when you so your marketing approach in the past, it sounds like it's happened very organically. What's your, what, do, you, do you guys have kind of a launch plan for the app that you're, I mean, it sounds like you already have some beta users ready to go and some email lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there any other kind of marketing launch plan that you guys have?
0: We're partnering with a lot of other organizations. So there's a huge effort going on, as you can imagine, Yeah. Uh, in the world of financial literacy. And I've been really involved in that. So, um, you know, working on figuring out how to reach the constituents of all these other organizations that are already doing that. And we are in conversations with uh, banks, because ultimately that's the best way for us to scale this, and it you know we don't know what that's going to look like yet. Um, the conversations are moving along, uh, but it's a perfect uh acquisition tool for a bank um, and it's a great retention tool, and uh, it's not a typical thing that they've used to do that, so you know we're kind of building toward that.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be great, I opposed to just wanting people that already have money to come in, maybe it's like the Let's get the whole process going early on. Yeah. Some, and so
0: we can be a whole full service bank and right, and and have smart money customers. You know, I mean, they make money on debt, but there's good debt. You know, if you got to get a mortgage, you know, I was talking about my parents. Uh, people paid cash for houses.
1: So, oh yeah, and they still do in other countries, just not here. I know. <laughs> yeah, here, here it's like you buy the biggest you can with the littlest amount you can. Yep.
0: And, uh, put yourself way out on the skinny branches and then 2008 happens or 2020 happens, which yeah. we're seeing now. I mean, this has been the most devastating, uh, you know, economic upset that we've had.
1: Well, it's interesting when like, you know, and not to, it's always interesting talking about your own stuff, but when you lose more money than you made in your first job in a week, it's, that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also great because the markets were up for so long. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to have, it, it, it's a moment in time, uh, of course, yeah. and we'll see how far down it goes. I think one concern I have with current uh, trends is, you know, there's no really room on interest rates to move, no. to try to stimulate the economy. So yeah. we're already pretty low. So that's always, that's very scary to me to what, what the future could hold. What about, so you, you, you mentor a lot. Uh, what, what about you? Do you have any mentors or books or anything that you look up to or or that have affected your life? Yeah.
0: Everyone. I mean, every, (laughs) I look at everyone as a mentor. This is an opportunity for me to learn from you and the kinds of questions you're asking are, you know, helping me think of new things I need to do. And very specifically, yes, there've been some very specific, powerful people that have just stood for me and introduced me to people and questioned me. And, uh, that's probably interesting that the most important thing a mentor has ever done for me is make me answer questions, you know, (laughs) make me find the answers and show me what I needed to be looking at without telling me. Um, So there've been people along the way in education that were really pivotal at the very beginning when we were designing our courses. And then as I've entered them, I was also in the BBVA momentum accelerator. So, you know, I was assigned a mentor from BBVA and, He's been really helpful in making sure I'm on track with my finances. There's just, everybody's comes together for different reasons. Some people are connectors. Some people are really good at their, you know, unique uh, specialty and they can teach me, you know, I mean, I didn't know how to read a spreadsheet. Sure. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just having to look at that now I can't add two and two without opening a spreadsheet, (laughs) you know, and somebody, you know, a mentor stood in for me doing that and just, took their time and made sure I got it and asked me the right questions and introduced things to me gently. So, um, yeah, I think with
1: the spreadsheets, there's a lot of cool things you can do. now you can get too far. I've had some people I've worked with that get way too spreadsheet. They want to do Excel for everything. But so when you, when we're talking about kind of your your path, like what's something that you would tell your 15 year old self, like any advice you'd give to your way back then,
0: if we're talking about money, it would have been to um, save for investing. I, that's my advice to anybody that's younger. But I, if I had done that, I mean, if any of us had saved 10% of our money since we were any age, you know, yeah. uh, and really used it to make more money and not had it sitting there as a, you know, emergency fund. Right. Um, but also to be a little more strategic with the kinds of risks I took. Uh, and to use them as learning experiences instead of just like rebellions. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) No, completely (laughs) makes sense. Especially, uh,
1: you know, I, I have, uh, some nieces and nephews that are getting older. So it's like, yeah, the rebellious phases are coming. Um, what about any regrets over the course of your life?
0: Oh, I don't think so.
1: That's great.
0: I've, um, yeah, I've made plenty of mistakes and I feel like I've learned from them all. I've always wish I'd spent more time with my parents, you know, and you know, things, the things that are true to your heart that there's no way around, you couldn't have done it any differently really. Um, but you know, those are the the things I miss more, more than regret.
1: Right. Yeah. I definitely know. I, um, so what does uh, success look like for you?
0: Financial independence for everyone. Um, you know, I, I know we can't change, um, you know, financial inequities, you know, the social inequities that are occurring with in the financial world and everybody's going to have a different amount of money. But if we could all just learn to operate inside of what we've got and be inspired to know that we could create more, you know, that would be success for me.
1: I love it. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a, that's a bold task, but I definitely something that could be done though. I mean, uh, I know that over my financial journey, uh, you know, there's it's definitely hills, right? So, but you get, life gets much easier when you got a kind of a plan and you got it figured out and yeah. you kind of know, it's kind of almost a yes and a no situation very yeah. easily. As opposed, to I think when you, um, or un- when you don't have a specific plan, it's like, well, maybe I guess we'll, we'll we'll buy that or that. As opposed to when you have a plan, it's like, well, that's not a part of the plan. So it's, a, it's like, like almost an automatic. No, you don't even have to think about it. You it's know? the
0: discipline of getting up and going to the gym five mornings a week.
1: Yeah, well, completely. Yeah, and it's, it's,
0: it's discipline in any form because the results I'm producing from that are, you know, equal to the level of you know success you would feel if you were actually saving 10% of your money and you'd start to see it's anything you're going to do with. In practice, over time, with discipline, one of my favorite quotes is uh, Warren Buffett, or it's attributed to Warren Buffett. Um, someone is sitting in the shade today because long ago someone planted a seed.
1: Oh, very fun. And you
0: have to have the time. You have to have the seed. You've got to have the money. You've got to give it time, and you have to take action with it. And that's pretty much how it is with anything that we want to achieve you know, in life.
1: And I also think the... With the gym every single morning is you also are eliminating a decision. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll do this class tonight. Maybe I won't. So you know, and the same thing can happen with the money. It was kind of what I was saying with a plan yeah. is you're literally, literally are trying to r- remove decisions. Like it's mm-hmm. already been made. I made mm-hmm. that decision in January or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and that's where it's going. Um, another way that we've done with some of our, our money stuff is it's you know I hate the word, word tax, but you kind of tax yourself. You're saying, okay, well and you say that the saving 10% or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of other, um, FinTech programs out there, Wealthfront, front to betterment. And those where you could basically say, okay, every month pull out a thousand dollars or $500 mm-hmm. or every two weeks or whatever it'd be. And I also think some of those can be great at $50 every two weeks, yeah. right? Just to, just to get it going. So it's a process as opposed to just say, well, I'm going to save up money. Then I'm going to put it in the market. So that, 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 that never works. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go ahead. If you had oh, just the
0: interesting thing about these programs that are out there for adults and I've studied them and it, it's brilliant, right? You know, you need a budget betterment, any of those. Um, we're, we're trying to correct something, you know, we're, we're actually trying to correct something with that. You never got a good, if, if you're, if you're using that to improve your situation and patterns, it's because you didn't get those as a youngster and you, but you got something, and it's probably not real good. So you're putting you're putting frosting on a mud pie. You know it's very difficult to change those behaviors and those mindsets. That it's so hard to put thousand dollars a month away, right? But for my daughter, you know, ten percent goes in there all the time. And I, you know, I told you she's
1: well, it's just buying like, a house. And, and the reason why I say to, you know tax yourself a little bit because you don't question that it just happens. Right. You pay it right? So but if how you many did the same can thing,
0: do that is the point.
1: Yeah. And you have to, and I think we're on the same point here is you have to do it right away Yeah, because if especially if you get a new job right away, mm-hmm. don't do it in the second paycheck. It's gotta be that first paycheck and cause uh, it's kind of like what I was saying when you, we have these rituals, whether we create them ourselves or they happen mm-hmm. to us, mm-hmm. it's gotta be part of that and whether it's money or um, your health or, you know, when you get a new job, like what where are you gonna go for lunch? whatever you do that probably that first couple of weeks is probably what you are going to do all, the, all time. the time. Yeah. So, um, so what's your favorite. So as opposed to this, just pertaining to the app, what's your favorite memory related to creating this app and this experience?
0: It was really exciting when we, uh, at the launch of mass challenge the first uh, showcase day and the 16 year old kiddo that, uh, was involved in helping us get this thing going. He did our 32nd pitch Oh wow! uh, to a room full of investors and, and I was just, you know, choked up in the back of the room. So proud that he was, you know, that he was confident enough to do that and that he made sense, like better sense than I could have probably. And that it was the product of what we'd been doing, that he could do that. It was just this full circle. It's a very proud moment for me and for him. Uh, and just, I, I'm really proud of the team. Ongoingly, every day, I'm just gratitude, just full of gratitude for them, um, and just proud of the energy and the love and the passion they're bringing to it. It makes me realize that it's not about me because when it's all about me, it's really hard. You know, it's so much harder when uh, you're you're driving it all the time and. And I'm running to catch up with other people at this point. So that's probably the funnest is that it's, it's gotten contagious enough for other people to
1: take it and run. Love it. Uh, what would you title this chapter in your life? Ooh. Um, there's a sense of arrival. Like I've, I've gotten
0: to this place where I know what I'm here for and, and I have the, I don't know, some internal drive to, to do it. I've always been driven, but there's just like, well, now it's not a choice. It's, I don't have to generate that. Um, and there's just a, like a legacy building. Like I'm there. I'm at the point where I understand that, that this is going to be something that's going to impact future generations. And that's, I don't think you can get there till you're a little bit further into your career, let's say.
1: And last question, what would, um, how would you like to be remembered? Mm. Of service. I'm a person of service to others. I love it. This is a fantastic podcast. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, I really appreciate it. I had a blast. Thanks. Great talking to you. All right. Cheers.